The winner of House District 94 is David Yancey. Well, of course it is. Lucky Republicans. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM, people-powered radio in Los Angeles, up in Oregon on 91.7 KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 KSO in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1. In Palinville, New York on 102.9 WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR. In New Orleans on 102.3 WHIV. In Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ 90.1. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Detour Talk, and other fine affiliates, both terrestrial and streaming on the nets. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me. From bradblog.com, thank you very much for joining us today. Not going to be trolled by Donald Trump. I am not, not going to be trolled by Donald Trump. Just repeating my New Year's resolution, Desi Doyen. <laughs> I am not going to be trolled by yeah, Donald Trump. Yeah, good Wish luck with that. Wish me luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the Bradcast. You uh, and all so, the rest of yeah, us. Yeah, <laughs> all of us. The world is being tr- trolled by this guy. Uh, there is so much to try to get to today that doesn't include being trolled by Donald Trump's Twitter feed, including a whole bunch of stuff that I'd I'd hoped to get to yesterday on our first day back after the New Year holiday, but was undermined in various ways, largely by Desi Doyen. <laughs> no, uh, actually, including our main piece of audio equipment being found uh, uh, dead upon arrival back at our studio after yep. the holidays. So we are still working on it. Uh, we have sort of a bubblegum and paper clips fix in uh, in place, thanks in no small part to our awesome audio nine nine one one engineer, yeah. <laughs> Tony Sorrentino. Yay, hey, Tony! Tony, thank everybody you. say hi to Tony and say thank you. But if uh, but if things don't sound uh, just quite right, or uh, anyway, if they don't sound the same as normal. Uh, until we get it all sorted out. That is why. So please excuse us. And uh, thanks to those very much who have stopped by bradblog.com slash donate recently to help us stay on the air because you will also be helping us to replace our main piece of audio equipment here in the studio so that we can physically actually stay on the air. Uh, so thank you in advance for that. All right. Uh, coming up a bit later, Desi Doyen, uh, you've got our first Green News report of the new year. Oh, yeah. Lots to catch up on there as record cold and now massive snow and even gale force winds grip much of the nation. But 
not out here on the West Coast or no. or the rest of the world. And I'm not trying to rub it in, but I'm just trying to point out to uh, so many of the folks who are out east and in the Midwest feeling this horrible cold going on um, everywhere else. But those places, the record heat continues around yes. the planet. Uh, and as importantly, if not more so, uh, you'll have in our uh, GNR coming up, the uh, Trump administration used the cover of the holiday weekend to gut even more environmental and safety regulations, because of course they did. So while he would very much like us to get distracted by his ridiculous Twitter feuds and his attempt to use a blatantly unconstitutional prior restraint lawsuit against a publisher to try and prevent the publication of a journalist book that says well-documented things about him that he would rather not have said in print, uh, I'm going to redouble my effort today to uh, cover what he did rather than what he says today, including a number of other regulations beyond uh, the Green News report that he disturbingly gutted over the holiday weekend in hopes that you would not notice as well. But we're noticing. We are. Uh, we're going to try to anyway. But first, uh, Larry Sabato, University of Virginia political scientist, uh, tweeted today, Virginia Democrats got 55 to 45, a 55 to 45 percent majority in all House of Delegates contests combined. In November of 2017, that is a 10% majority of the votes for the Virginia House of Delegates. He says that equals a landslide. And yet they will get at best at this point, it looks like 49 or 50% of the actual seats in the Virginia House of Delegates. And it looks like Republicans will get the speaker's job and all of the committee chairs regardless. He says that is democracy, American style, 2018. I'm afraid he is right. Republican delegate David Yancey has won a tiebreaker drawing in Virginia's 94th District House of Delegates race. Yancey's name was uh, chosen at a special Board of Elections meeting on Thursday, which broke the 11,608 to 11,608 vote tie for the Newport News area Virginia House of Delegates seat. One single seat that is, in fact, much larger than one single seat since it determines the partisan balance of the nation's oldest legislative body, the Virginia House of Delegates, one that has been in control by Republicans for many years now, but which Democrats remain a hair away from either sharing power or taking majority control. This is what the drawing sounded like uh, today at the uh, State Board of Elections. As I said, I will draw one canister. Madam Vice Chair will draw a second canister. The winner will be in the first canister. Madam Vice Chair, if you will pull your canister. The bowl is empty. <laughs> Uh, the winner of House uh, District 94 is David Yancey. And that was it. That's how they settled this tie election. But whether it's actually settled or not uh, remains a question. The drawing, which the Republican is said to have won today, is likely not the end of the road. According to the Virginian pilot, Jordan Pascal has been uh, covering this very closely and very well. Not the end of the road in an election that has stretched for 58 days. 
since the uh, November 7 contest and included a recount and a court battle. And there is likely to be more recounts and more court battles ahead. Democratic candidate Shelley Simons could now ask for a second recount uh, after today's drawing, but that would likely extend beyond the January 10 start of the General Assembly, which means that Republicans will likely, at least for now, remain in control of that body. The names of the uh, of the two candidates were printed on separate slips of paper. Each slip was put into a separate film canister. Then they were drawn, uh, placed in a in a blue ceramic bowl and drawn out uh, supposedly randomly today, after being mixed up. And uh, then the state election board chair James Alcorn pulled out one of the canisters, and the other uh, uh, board member you heard there, Clara Bello, Clara Bell Wheeler pulled out the other canister to show that the uh, that both candidates' names were, in fact, included. But David Yancey, the Republican, was the winner. Now, this has a, a, a long story going back to November 7th and a long back-and-forth roller coaster of a story. Yancey, the Republican, won the election by 10 votes according to the optically scanned paper ballot computer tallies on November 7th. Simons asked for a recount after having been declared the loser by 10, uh, 10 votes. So on December 19, that recount happened and she gained a net of 11 votes, making her the winner by a single vote. But the next day, a panel of three circuit court judges who, uh, who have to certify those results, they heard arguments from the uh, Republicans' attorneys that one recount observer had second thoughts about one of the ballots that uh, that the bipartisan team of election official judges had previously not counted that ballot for either candidate having unanimously determined that it was an overvote with both candidates' bubbles filled in. Yeah, I just want to re-score that, yeah. that this was a ballot that had been dis- discarded by all of the people present, yeah. agreed upon during the previous recount, closed, shut, done, And then they brought it back and said, but wait, there's this one more. They changed their mind after they found out what the totals were and after they found out that the Democrat had won. And they said, wait a minute, that bubble with that overvote or that that ballot with that overvote, maybe there wasn't a uh, on that ballot. We talked about it uh, when it originally happened before the end of the year. uh, There was uh, both the bubbles next to Simon's and Yancey's names were filled in. But Simon's bubble had a single diagonal slash mark through it uh and uh, now whether that was you know added at some point during the chain of custody we don't know because it's unclear whether uh newport news the town that uh where this uh, ballot was cast whether they actually keep ballot images the images that are scanned by the uh, by, the optical scan systems that uh, then record the vote from that scan. Now, I've been trying to get in, in in touch. I have gotten in touch, in fact, with the uh, with the county clerk, the registrar in uh, uh, Newport News, to find out if, in fact, they captured all of the ballot scans that were made on uh, November seven when they uh, when they initially tallied these votes. And I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Her name is Vicki Lewis. I guess I should, shouldn't be surprised. She doesn't know. She has no idea. They use the uh, ESNS, uh, the company ESNS DS200 optical scan system in Newport News. 
but she has no idea if the systems are set to retain those uh, those uh, optical uh, those digital scans those captured images after the election so that we could go back and look and find out was that slash put through it or not uh, when it was originally scanned. She says, um, she told me over the Christmas break, she said, I'm out of the office for Christmas break. I'll forward this email to ESNS for a response to the private vendor, to the, the, the voting system vending company. The private vendor yeah. running your public elections. Thank you. Correct. She said, I do know the DS-200 takes a digital picture of write-in ballots because the actual name is written on the machine tape. Uh, she says, again, I'm waiting for a reply from our machine vendor. That was back in late December. Uh, that was my second attempt to get some information on uh, how they run their elections there, uh, and I have not heard back since. So if I hear back with anything notable, I'll try to let you know. But that's where we are. We are waiting for the private vendor to let us know if there is information on this election that might change the entire balance of the Virginia House of Delegates and affect the uh, health care, the Medicaid, the potential Medicaid expansion of some 400,000 Virginians. And not only that, whether or not Virginia will rejoin the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, the Northeast's cap and trade mechanism system that has uh, raised billions of dollars for the states that are involved in it in the Northeast, mm -hmm. and Virginia could become a part of that. But this uh, will determine whether that happens. And you know, it, it just it underscores how every vote really does matter, especially in state legislatures that will be setting the legislative districts based on the census in 2020. This all has very long reaching implications. Democrats are arguing, of course, that those three judges, uh, because after they uh, this this Republican uh, observer decided, well, you know what, let's take another look at that ballot. I'm not so sure that uh, that was an overvote after all. Uh, the same ballot also had a, a, a bubble filled in for the uh, gubernatorial candidate, Ed Gillespie. He's a Republican. But that one was filled in with was filled in and had an X over it as well, like the other one. The other one was a slash. This one was an X. But that one was apparently counted for the Republican Ed Gillespie. The rest, rest of the ballot also had bubbles filled in properly for Republicans. Um, so it's very questionable. A three, the, that three-judge panel of circuit court judges, all of them, as I understand it, are Republican appointees. They decided that the slash mark meant that the voter did not want to vote for the Democrat Simons, which tied the election and so forth. So the Democrats have argued that those judges made the wrong call. They are going to uh, challenge it further, no doubt, in court. Um Last week, both candidates had filed court documents in Newport News. Simons wanted the court to reconsider their decision and declare her the winner because she had argued that the the election judges did, had not followed the proper recount protocol and that the totals showing her as winning by a single vote had already been completed with the Republicans even issuing a statement conceding the race before that Republican observer overnight and the next day changed his mind. But... Uh, the court took about a week. They they were all on vacation to get back after she had complained about this. Um, so there was like a week of silence from the court. On Wednesday, just after yesterday's program, a decision from the judges came down ensuring that that drawing would go on today um, as it did. In their conclusion, 
responding to the Democrat Simons, the judges wrote, the right of a citizen to cast a free vote has been secured to us by the blood of patriots shed from Lexington and Concord to Selma, Alabama. The manifest injustice in which we must always guard uh, is the chance that a single vote may not be counted, the judges said. It matters not the importance of the disposition of a ballot in a given election. It matters the dignity of the citizen, the electoral process, and the destiny of our constitutional republic. Which, of course... I completely agree with 100%. I agree with it, except in cases where the intent of the voter is not actually clear, as I would argue is the case with this one single ballot currently in question. Now, uh, Simons and the Democrats uh, have suggested there are other ballots that should also be reconsidered. As long as we're reconsidering it, why not uh, reconsider some of the other ballots that we all agreed on uh, were, were not valid votes? Uh, She has not yet decided whether she'll ask for that second recount, which she is allowed by law after a drawing like this. I would be stunned if she didn't. Whether the exact same numbers come up in a second recount, however, will be very interesting to watch in a race that was decided by either one or zero votes, decided as a tie. It'll be interesting to watch uh, because Virginia does its recounts. As I understand it, by running the same paper ballots through the same computers that counted them previously, And sometimes we have seen over the years they will count the same ballot differently from day to day, from uh, scan to scan. Uh, As I understand it, only ballots that cannot be read by the machine are examined by hand. So this all could change yet again based on that. Nonetheless, in the meantime, the Virginia House is now set to convene its session uh, next week and has determined uh, and they will determine committee assignments. They'll select the House Speaker which means that Republicans will almost certainly have the majority by at least one single vote um, in the House of Delegates, which could mean that the hope of Democrats' hope of expanding Medicaid under the Obama Obamacare expansion of Medicaid to hundreds of thousands of Virginians, that may be uh, further delayed. Even with a Democrat in the governor's mansion and Democrats statewide far outvoting Republicans, In November, a 10% landslide in the Republicans' obscenely gerrymandered state of Virginia. If Yancey is sworn in and the House convenes next week as scheduled uh, and there are no changes between now and then, that will put Republicans now in control with a slim 51-49 advantage in the House. Uh, If his uh, seating is held up by a second recount, Republicans had suggested previously that if the Democrat had won, if Simons had won that drawing, that they would uh, still have a 50-49 majority because they uh, they wouldn't seat the Democrat while a recount was going on. So whether they'll do that now that the Republican has won, we'll find out. But they would still have a 50-49 majority, I think, under those circumstances so they can have their votes for House Speaker and so forth. And all of this, remember, comes after Republicans had held a huge 66-34 to 34 majority, a two-thirds majority before the November elections. So in one fell swoop, because voters turned out Though it was still less than a 50 percent turnout, as uh, the University of Kentucky's uh, professor uh, Josh Douglas pointed out on yesterday's broadcast. But in one fell swoop, an 
seemingly undefeatable two-thirds uh, GOP majority just slipped away almost entirely because voters showed up and voted. But even those slim numbers could still change because there could be yet another House of Delegates race uh, that remains in question at this hour. As AP reports, the balance of power in the House in Virginia could shift again because a separate lawsuit is still pending over the results of another House race in northern Virginia. Democrat Josh Cole lost to Republican Bob Thomas in that race by just 73 votes in a recount, but... Uh, voters have filed a lawsuit there because at least 147 ballots were found to have been assigned to the wrong districts. 147 people got the wrong yeah. ballot. 147 voters, really, uh, were were assigned to a district that they should not have been assigned to. They were given the wrong ballots, so they didn't get to vote. 147 of them, at least, in a race determined by 73 votes. So a federal court will uh, hear that. There'll be a hearing on that on uh, scheduled currently for Friday. So as you said, Des, you know, if you're wondering, even with our horribly gerrymandered system, even with our horribly unreliable and unverified computer tabulation systems, even with our horrible recount laws and our less than ideal major political parties, I guess I could call them both horrible, but anyway... Every vote is still very important in every aspect. So if you're unclear about that, you know, just ask any of those 400,000 Virginians who are suffering needlessly right now without any health care coverage because by one unclear vote, Republicans are still preventing uh, preventing them from receiving health care. Yes, people may die, may die for lack of one single vote. Please keep that in mind. As we move into the midterm election cycle this year. And with all of that in mind, the other elections related story that broke literally within minutes of our going off air last night, you may have heard, or as Walter Schaub, the uh, the former uh, chair uh, commissioner of the uh, what was federal office of the white, uh, government ethics. Yes, the office of government yeah. ethics. He said on Twitter today, uh, Kablooey, Chris Kobach canned couldn't control clueless cacistocratic commission as it comically careened into kaleidoscopic quackery, quickly <laughs> collapsed, and was completely canceled. Kaput, <laughs> he added. By the way, cacistocracy? Cacistocracy. I had to look it up. Government by the least qualified or most unprincipled citizens. That sounds about right. It does indeed. Let's take a quick break, uh, and we will come back with that story and more on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? 
Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us out today. The wheels are falling off. The wheels are falling off the road. Sure feels like that, doesn't it? Welcome yeah. back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. It also feels like the wheels are falling off the Trump administration. It really does. At least if we, you know, follow the stuff, a lot of the stuff that we don't follow on this show very frequently, uh, trying to keep our eyes on stuff that actually matters. In this case, uh, voting matters, elections matter. But in this case, uh, the wheels really are coming off the uh, the Trump administration. It seems like. In the middle of this, well, as I said, you may have heard, but President Trump on Wednesday abruptly shut down just minutes, literally minutes after we went off the air, uh, abruptly shut down a White House commission that he had charged with investigating voter fraud, ending his brief quest for evidence of election theft that had generated lawsuits, outrage, scholarly testimony, but no real evidence that American elections are corrupt, as the New York Times reports it. I would add uh, that uh, no evidence that American elections are at least corrupted by the massive voter fraud that Donald Trump and his fellow Republicans have been claiming for years without any actual evidence to support them. Uh, today, Trump called for requiring, of course, voter identification in a pair of Twitter posts. The New York Times, who was trolled by the president, apparently uh, reported uh, they, uh, because he said the uh, voting system, quote, is rigged, quote, push harder for voter identification, Trump wrote. Now, of course, just to be clear, all 50 states under federal law already require voter identification when voters go to register. Uh, and many states already require most, the majority of states already require voter identification when voters go to vote. Trump probably doesn't know that. Trump did not acknowledge the commission's inability to find any evidence of fraud, but uh, cast the sudden closing of the commission on Wednesday as a result of continuing legal challenges. Trump said in a White House statement on Wednesday, despite substantial evidence of voter fraud... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, it's all right. No, you're right to laugh. Despite substantial evidence of voter fraud, many states have refused to provide the Presidential Advisory Commission on Election Integrity with basic information relevant to its inquiry. Rather than engage in endless legal battles at taxpayer expense, today I signed an executive order to dissolve the commission and have asked the Department of Homeland Security to review these issues and determine next courses of action. Now, in fact, as the Times notes, uh, no state has uncovered significant evidence to support Donald Trump's claims at all. And election officials, including many Republicans, have strongly rejected the claims made by Donald Trump. Uh, he established the commission after his repeated insistence with no credible evidence whatsoever that widespread voter fraud is uh, is the explanation for how it is that Hillary Clinton received almost three million more votes than he did across the country while he managed to win the presidency, at least in the Electoral College, which is the only one that counts. The closing of the commission was a blow to Chris Kobach, the secretary of state of Kansas, 
uh, and the panel's vice chair. It was uh, chaired by uh, Vice President Mike Pence, both of whom are voter fraud fraudsters. Kobach was one of the few state officials that supported Trump's contention that there was widespread fraud in November of 2016 in the presidential race. Anywhere from three to five million illegal voters is what Donald Trump has charged. Kobach insisted uh, in, in an interview that the commission's work would not end, but rather would be transferred to the Department of Homeland Security, one of the federal agencies charged with uh, overseeing election integrity now, um, thanks to the Obama administration who uh, declared election elections to be critical infrastructure, essentially. Kobach says it'll be harder for critics to target the DHS, harder than it was to, to, uh, to target this public commission. He said anyone on the left needs to realize that by throwing the food in the air, they just lost a seat at the table. In other words, he's saying that by uh, challenging, by questioning his authority <laughs> on the commission, uh, well, too bad for Democrats. Now they're out of luck. Now it goes to DHS and Democrats will have nothing to say about it. Uh, Kobach said he expects officials from the Immigration and Customs Enforcement or ICE uh, and political appointees overseeing that agency to take over the commission's work and begin efforts to match state voter rolls to federal databases of non-citizens. He insisted he was not disappointed with the president's decision. Of course, he wasn't. Kobach said it's a shifting in tactics from having the investigation done by a federal commission to having it done by a federal agency. The agency has a greater ability to move quickly to get the investigation done. So basically, he's saying that it was not just uh, three to five million people who weren't supposed to vote, but they were all non-citizens. Non-citizens gave their name and address to uh, to state elections officials. At risk of being captured and committing a felony. And deported. And deported. Right. They Put gave their names. At risk. They gave their IDs. They said, this is me. And then three to five million of them showed up to vote. And yet nobody has been able to identify pretty much a single one of them. I mean, there are you know non-citizens who have registered to vote, many of them accidentally uh, because they were handed the documents or there was a clerical error. Uh, but three to five million of them showing up. Yeah, don't think so. So what really happened here? Why did this sudden nobody knew this was coming? The commissioners uh, did not know this was coming. I don't think Kobach knew it was coming. White House officials, according to Politico, laid blame on Wednesday, uh, not with Democrats, as Chris Kobach was trying to do, because he was facing all of these lawsuits. There were some eight lawsuits against this commission, not just by Democrats, but from, you know, voting rights organizations uh, who are nonpartisan voting rights organizations. Yes, there was one Democrat, one of the Democrats who was actually on the commission, one of the commissioners themselves had was forced to sue the commission to, to even find out what this commission was up to, what Chris Kobach was actually doing. But in any case, the White House did not blame Democrats. Uh, they blamed their former uh, their ex-colleague that they said was responsible for the creation of the uh, of the commission, former chief strategist Steve Bannon, who was slammed in a statement by Trump on the same day that morning on Wednesday. 
after Bannon had accused Donald Trump Jr. of treason. Bannon, in, <laughs> this is where we are. This is the wheels coming off. Uh, Bannon insisted uh, on the on the creation of this commission. He pushed hard for it, according to uh, uh, one White House official uh, by, via Politico here. This was his idea, and it was not a good one, the official said. The commission was bl- uh, ha- was a blundered Bannon rollout and should have never been in place, another person familiar with the effort said. It was just hours after Trump had said in a statement that Bannon had lost his mind that the White House announced that the commission would be no more. So it seems to me here that Bannon said something in this book that is coming out that now Donald Trump has is uh, claims to be filing a lawsuit to stop the publication of, which is unconstitutional for the president of the United States to do that at all, is extraordinary on his, on its own. But Bannon is quoted in this book saying some stuff that Donald Trump didn't like, including calling Donald Trump's daughter dumb as a brick. Oh, no. Uh, and uh, saying that Donald Trump Jr. Uh, likely committed treason in this uh, meeting with these Russian nationals at Trump Tower and so forth. So Trump threw a fit and said, let's close his goddamn commission. That'll show him. And they shut down the commission. So uh, I, I think that's what happened. The uh, the pro-Trump website Breitbart News, which was led by Bannon before he went on to join uh, Trump's campaign and then his administration, uh, he has now since rejoined Breitbart News after being fired from the White House. He's been uh, he and Breitbart have been very loud about pushing allegations of massive voter fraud by Democrats, by non-citizens secretly showing up somehow to vote. Kobach, who led the commission, uh, had uh, had written paid columns for Breitbart News at the same time that he was leading the commission itself and at the same time that he was serving as the Kansas Secretary of State. By the way, he's running for Kansas governor next year. <clears throat> I hope he wins the, uh, the, the Republican primary because I think he should be really easy to beat, but maybe that's just me. I don't know. Democrats and voting rights experts, actual voting rights experts, not Bannon, Kobach, Trump clowns, but actual experts uh, expressed elation that the uh, over the White House decision to shutter this stupid panel. Uh, for example, the otherwise usually staid League of Women Voters uh, sent out an announcement, uh, a statement right after the news broke, declaring today voters win. We are pleased that the Trump administration has at last dissolved their discredited Election Integrity Commission. As has been said time and time again, the purpose of this effort was to justify President Trump's false claims of widespread voter fraud in the 2016 elections. This travesty of a commission was nothing more than a tactic of voter suppression and an unnecessary distraction from legitimate threats to our democracy. That was the League of Women Voters. Uh, Of course, Minority Leader Chuck Schumer said uh, similarly, uh, the commission never had anything to do with election integrity. In his statement, he said it was uh, instead a front to suppress the vote, to perpetrate dangerous and baseless claims, was ridiculed from from one end of the country to the other. Trump's statement on dissolving the commission uh, alluded to a flood of litigation that the panel was hit with early on, much of it triggered by a request that Kobach had issued without telling the other commissioner, at least without telling the Democratic commissioners, 
a request uh, to all states that they provide uh, voter rolls uh, information, including a citizen's criminal convictions, partial Social Security numbers. Our staff was spending more time dealing with lawsuits than doing the actual work of the commission, Kobach said. The left didn't want the commission to find out anything. Yes, it was the left. This uh, this panel was a joke from day one, but it was a joke that might have resulted in making it more difficult for millions of voters, of perfectly legal voters, to cast their votes. And it was Kobach's own failure to be able to run the commission in a legitimate, adult, transparent way that ensured that it would be a joke, as we have covered on the show for months, lawsuit after lawsuit. Well, I don't think uh, that it's going to stop here. I mean, I know that this commission has now, yay, hooray, been uh, disbanded yeah. and halted, but they're going to find another way. Well, this is what they're going to he claims that they're going to have ICE now do it, Department of Homeland Security do it, and boy, will the Democrats be sad because they won't be able to oversee what ICE does. Listen, if there are people who are not voting, who are inappropriately voting or unlawfully, illegally voting, people who are not citizens lining up to vote, or even if they're not lining up, even if they're a couple of them are walking, nobody wants people to vote unlawfully. So, you know, if uh, ICE decides to get into the business, the Department of Homeland Security decides to get into the business of investigating these charges and they, in fact, find uh, people who have illegally voted, fine. I got no problem with that. I don't think anybody has a problem with that. But this panel, they met only twice at the White House and then in New Hampshire. That meeting was a disaster. We covered that on this race. Chris Kobach made a charge uh, that said there was all this illegal voting going on in New Hampshire. And guess what? The Secretary of State of New Hampshire happens to be one of the very few Democratic commissioners on that commission. And uh, Secretary of State Bill Gardner was not happy about that charge, said it had absolutely no evidence, uh, proved why it was that uh, that uh, Kobach was wrong in his charges. So that was a disaster. And then in November, the commission was sued, as I said, by one of its own members, Maine Secretary of State Matt Dunlop. Dunlap, he alleged that he was being frozen out of of, uh, the, the planning for the meetings and denied access to the records of all of this stuff. Last month, a federal judge agreed with Dunlap and ordered that he be given the information so that he could fully participate in these deliberations. Oh, and then there was the other problems, uh, including the arrest in October of one of the researchers, one of the staff members, researcher Ronald Williams II, on child pornography charges. And then a few days later, one of the other commissioner, the, there was not a lot of Democratic uh, commissioners on this thing. Uh, one of them, a uh, Democratic Arkansas state legislature, legislator, David Dunn, died unexpected, unexpectedly after heart surgery. Uh, so things were, and he was never replaced. So things are just falling apart, have been from the beginning with this commission, have been from the beginning with this administration, for that matter. Uh, but we really see it here 
uh, in the dissolution of, the, of, of this uh, disastrous commission in the first place because Donald Trump is mad at Steve Bannon, so he's killing his commission that uh, was sued by its own commissioners. What a disaster. And nobody knew this was coming. Dunlap said there was no warning. They didn't give us a heads up that the president was considering shutting this thing down. Kobach, uh, who has uh, said he would remain as an informal advisor to Homeland Security, according to The Times, said that the uh, department would uh, marshal its files on immigrants, legal and otherwise, so that they can be matched with lists of registered voters nationwide to detect foreign citizens who are legally casting ballots. Keep chasing those tooth fairies, uh, Mr. Kobach, Secretary Kobach. Uh, Trump and Kobach have both insisted Trump Kobach was one of the only Republicans who would actually come and say out loud that uh, Donald Trump was right or at least potentially right that millions of illegal voters had costed cost him the uh, the popular victory in 2016. But all of their uh, claims are disputed by the actual evidence, including evidence that we reported, what, 10 years ago on this program. The last time you had a Republican president who was making these claims, George W. Bush. He had his Justice Department do this massive study, and they came up with, as uh, the New York Times reported it at the time, scant evidence of voter fraud. Actually, zero evidence of the type of fraud that would be, be, would be deterred by the type of photo ID voting restrictions that Kobach and and uh, many of these other Republican-run states have instituted, and that the President of the United States ignorantly called for on Twitter today. Uh, in a tele- uh, telephone interview with the New York Times, uh, Dunlap, that Democratic commissioner, uh, said that he was utterly alarmed that Department of Homeland Security was now taking this over. He said Homeland Security operates very much in the dark. Any chance of having this investigation done in a public forum is now lost, and I think people should be, frankly, frightened by that. Well, I'm not going to be frightened by anything. And uh, so the fact that uh, you know Dunlap, who... People were very critical of him for even joining this commission, even playing along with it in the first place. Uh, The fact that he says we should be frightened. uh, You know what? I ain't going to be frightened. Well, not to be frightened, but to be concerned and vigilant and watching over them like hawks because they I would not be surprised if the Trump administration, as that has tried to do with the Department of Justice and other agencies, tries to turn the Department of Homeland Security and ICE into instruments of dumping people off the rolls wrongly, incorrectly, uh, trying to prevent people from voting, ginning up false information and can. data to, to justify rolling back voting rights. They can't roll people off. The, they can't throw people off the rolls. But they can legally. get states to do perhaps. They could try to get states to do it. They can present some sort of evidence in some way. I don't know. It's unclear. DHS is not in the business of policing our voter rolls right. in general. So, uh, you know, but we will be watching. The public will be watching. I'm heartened by the fact that so many groups were watching the, uh, the the creation of this phony commission. I mean, years ago, I was a very lonely voice when the uh, was it the George W. Bush uh, administration created a similarly phony commission to look for voter fraud. Uh, and I was raising holy hell about it, and Democrats were doing next to nothing. And True. we knew at the time what this was going to be. It was it was meant to come out to uh, to to say, oh, we need to have 
photo ID voting restrictions. And that's exactly what it did. Now, what they said, to their credit, because Jimmy Carter was on the commission, to their credit, they said, we should have photo ID required at the polling place, but only after we have assured that every American has such an ID. Right now, uh, some 20 to 30 million Americans, legal voters, do not have the type of ID that are often required by Republican uh, photo ID restrictions. And they know that, and that's why these Republicans pass these type of restrictions to keep Democratic-leaning voters, students, minorities, the elderly from being able to cast their vote. So, uh, yeah, we will be watching that. But it gets worse. A new move, sorry, a new move at the Census Bureau now promises to muck things up even further in this country. Uh, some among the things we learned over the holiday weekend, the Justice Department is pushing for a question on citizenship to be added to the 2020 census. A move that uh, observers say could depress participation by immigrants who fear that the government could use that information against them. This according to ProPublica's Justin Elliott. Uh, on December 29th, so as the weekend was going, all this stuff happened over the, over the, the holiday weekend. That, in turn, could have potentially large ripple effects, he reports, for everything the once-a-decade census determines, from how congressional seats are distributed around the country to where hundreds of billions of federal dollars are spent. The DOJ made this request in a previously unreported letter in December to the top officials at the Census Bureau, which is part of the Commerce Department. A Census Bureau spokesperson confirmed that the agency received the letter and said the request will go through the well-established process that any potential question would go through. Well, that's good, because they want to add this question to the census in order to scare non-citizens from filling out their census form, which means that uh, in areas where non-citizens live, those areas will be underrepresented, they will be underfunded, and that's the whole point. Now, the, 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 the census, uh, the framers of the Constitution wanted to count everyone in the country, not just citizens. We can go back to the, to the first census in 1790 to illustrate that. Arturo Vargas, a member of the National Ad, uh, Advisory Committee of the Census and executive director of a Latino advocacy group, uh, told ProPublica that this is a recipe for sabotaging the census. Mm. That's how far they are going. And if you think this won't sabotage the census, uh, we, we know that it will if this question is added, because uh, a recent Census Bureau presentation showed that the political climate is already having an effect on responsiveness to the Bureau's American Community Survey. That asks a more extensive list of questions uh, on a yearly basis, including on citizenship status. They asked this to about one in 38 households in the country, and ProPublica reported that in one case, census interviewers reported a respondent walked out and left the interviewer alone in his home during citizenship, citizenship questioning. Wow. Just would not answer. So... Well, yeah, because it's essentially like identifying yourself to DHS and I saying, hey, I'm here legally, but come get me anyway. Let Donald that's, Trump know. Yeah, that's the fear. Yeah, that's exactly the fear. And I think fear. it is a legitimate fear now. 
Uh, it is. And the effect that it will have on elections uh, going out for a decade, because they're talking about doing this in the 2020 census. So I, I suspect we'll talk more about this uh, in the future. But speaking of yet more regulations that uh, Donald Trump has unwound over the uh, over the holiday weekend for the environment, for safety, that's coming up next in our first Green News report of the year. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Ah, oh, yes. Desi Doyen's siren song, although I suspect <laughs> a lot of uh, folks in the Midwest and the East Coast today, and even d- d- down in what, Florida, South Carolina, oh, yeah. where they're getting snow. Guess a lot of those folks are not uh, worried about melting with you today, Desi Doyen. Not so much. No, uh, as we uh, as we discuss uh, in our late. And by the way, we've got an <laughs> update since the Green News report today from the Trump administration concerning offshore drilling. We'll get to that after our latest Green News report. The deep freeze even canceled many New Year's Eve celebrations from Boston to St. Louis. And even as far south as Fort Worth, Texas. Record cold and bomb cyclone slams the eastern U.S. Clearly, uh, November and December have been disappointing. Drought grips California again. What happens in the melting Arctic doesn't stay in the melting Arctic. Plus, under cover of the holidays, Trump administration guts even more environment and safety regulations. All of that New Year gutting and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Because Donald Trump's cold right now, that's evidence that the earth is not getting warmer. Just like because Donald Trump is president right now, That's evidence we've never had a competent president. First green Trump slam of the year. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I usually don't know what's going on with the climate. Now I really don't know what's going on with the climate a bomb cyclone? Yeah, it's really getting wacky out there. We'll have more on that one in a moment. First, Tallahassee, Florida got extremely rare snowfall on Wednesday. Just one example of the extreme cold weather gripping the eastern half of the continental United States, linked to at least 17 deaths as we go to air. And now one of the most intense winter cyclones ever recorded is what meteorologists are calling a bomb cyclone because of its rapid intensification. It's 
slamming the eastern seaboard from Georgia to Maine, bringing the potential for dangerous storm surge, high winds, and power outages. It's the equivalent of a Category 2 winter hurricane, fueled by heat energy from near-record warm Atlantic Ocean temperatures. Remember, Warming Oceans, brought to you by Global Warming. Well, of course, Donald Trump says it's cold, so that means there is no global warming, and he probably thinks they just made up the word bomb cyclone. Yep, that record cold usually means an outbreak of phenomenally dumb comments and (laughs) false claims that extreme cold events somehow refute all of climate science. But climate scientists have predicted for decades that global warming will bring more frequent extreme weather events. And many of these same regions, remember, just saw record-breaking heat waves just two months ago. And to put it all into perspective, the whole rest of the planet everything that is not the U.S. East Coast or Midwest, is actually warmer than usual right now. And while it may seem counterintuitive, scientists believe that these bitter cold events are connected to the warming of the Arctic, which is weakening the jet stream, sending frigid polar winds south to the lower U.S., like an open refrigerator door. Because what happens in the Arctic does not stay in the Arctic. Oh, well, lucky us. The extremes of 2018 are off to a strong start elsewhere. To escape the cold, you could head to Anchorage, Alaska, where it is actually warmer than the eastern U.S., and the state just had one of its warmest Decembers ever recorded. Yeah, I was looking at where my family lives in St. Louis, Missouri. It was like negative six a day or two ago, and then compared it to Anchorage, Alaska, it was like 25 degrees warmer. Meanwhile, California is grappling with extreme dryness. We're obviously hopeful that there'll be more snow the next time we come out here in the February, March, and April snowmelt surveys. The first official snowpack assessment of 2018 in California's Sierra Nevada mountain range on Wednesday measured just over one inch of snow. That's less than three percent of the average for this time of year. Less than three percent? Yeah, it's even worse. The entire U.S. Southwest has received only about 1% of its average rainfall since October. Oh, boy. Meanwhile, over the holidays, the Trump Interior Department rescinded Obama-era rules on fracking operations on the public's lands at the request of the oil and gas industry. Those rules would have reduced methane leaks, required the disclosure of fracking chemicals, and tightened standards for disposal of toxic wastewater. Environmental groups say they will challenge that repeal in court. The Trump administration also weakened safety rules on offshore drilling that were put in place to prevent a repeat of the disastrous 2010 BP oil spill, the worst in U.S. history. At the request of the oil industry, the Trump Interior Department weakened several safety regulations, including well control rules that were intended to prevent the type of blowout that killed 11 men and released more than 200 million gallons of crude oil into the Gulf of Mexico. And not only that, the Trump administration also halted a study in progress by the National Academies of Sciences intended to improve safety conditions for workers in offshore drilling operations. Finally, amid the Trump administration's rollback of safety regulations in the coal industry, fatalities in the coal mining industry after hitting a record low in 2016 nearly doubled in 2017 to the highest point in three years. Well, Donald Trump tried to take credit for the lack of commercial airplane disasters in 2017. Does he also get credit for the doubling of coal miner deaths in the same year? For much more on all of these stories and the ones we didn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyne. And this has been your Green News Report. 
Very cold. Uh, stay warm out yes, there, please. East Coast, South, Midwest. They're already seeing record flooding in Boston. It's it's bad. It's bad. It, it is very bad. Uh, huge snowstorms. Uh, and storm and, surge. And it's going to happen for a few days. Oh, and storm surge, yeah. Yeah, and power outages when there's going to be an extra cold, frigid blast coming after that. That's also going to be this bad. This is going to keep going for a while, but you can always cuddle up to us here on the broadcast. Uh, <laughs> since our... Um, uh, since our Green News report today, new news, perhaps arguably larger news. Yes, Donald Trump over the holiday hid the fact that he was getting rid of the safety regulations that were put in place after that massive BP oil spill. But that's not all he did nope. today. Uh, the Trump administration has moved to vastly expand offshore drilling from the Atlantic to the Arctic Oceans with a plan that would open up federal waters off California here. For the first time in more than three decades, the new five-year drilling plan could also open new areas of oil and gas exploration in areas off the East Coast from Georgia to Maine, where drilling has been blocked for decades. And for Florida and, yep. of course, in the Arctic as well, areas that had been put off limits completely by President Obama because of their fragility or because of their importance to tourism. I mean, remember how the BP oil spill disaster in 2010 decimated the economies of the Gulf Coast, their tourism economy their commercial fishing economies. They had to shut down commercial fishing imports from those areas. Mm -hmm. And this is a huge change of federal offshore leasing policy. Uh, you know, this is not just a big shift from Obama, but from the Reagan administration going back. The last offshore lease sale for the East Coast was in 1983. Here's something you don't hear me say very often. Uh, to his credit, Republican Governor Rick Scott of Florida... <laughs> You never hear me say that. That's true. He has uh, he opposes offshore uh, drilling near his state. He saw what happened in the uh, in that BP oil spill. Yeah. Um, so it's Republicans, although there are a number of Republicans who are in favor of this. Let's be clear. But Republican Florida Governor Rick Scott is against it. Uh, of course, the Democratic governors on the West Coast are against it. I suspect they remember uh, one of the largest, uh, was it the largest ever or just uh, the largest at a time in Santa Barbara? The that Santa oil Barbara spill. oil spill in 1969 was the nation's largest oil yeah. spill until the BP oil spill. So we remember it well out here. As a matter of fact, oh, yeah. if you go to the beach today in Santa Barbara, you'll find tar and oil all over it. Uh, much of it may have come from that original spill that helped to launch the uh, the environmental movement in, yes. the, in the early And 70s. Nixon, a Republican rep president, set yep. up the EPA. It's inspired by the Santa Barbara oil spill. Just remember, these are Republican and Democratic governors in these states fighting this offshore drilling expansion. And we'll find out, gosh, if Republicans actually believe in states' rights or only if it's when the oil and gas industry wants something. And uh, the five-year plan would open open 90 percent of the nation's offshore reserves to development by private companies, according to uh, uh, Zinke, the uh, Ryan Zinke, the uh, what is he? The head interior of the interior secretary. secretary. Yeah. Unbelievable. And speaking of states rights, we didn't even get to what happened, what Trump uh, administration did on pot today. But 
the administration has certainly gone to pot, but we'll discuss that all in our next thrilling broadcast. Until then, my thanks to our producer, Tezzy Doyen, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, you can always download it for free at bradblog.com. My thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us on your public airwaves, particularly right now uh, as we're uh, managing with the bubblegum and shoestrings here to stay on the air with a major equipment failure. Hopefully it holds up for a while, but I thank you for stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. You can drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Bradblog. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.